Welcome in everyone to Pro Football Ireland, the voice of Mark Hogan, Michael has had an off day, but I am joined of course with James Skell. We're coming a bit later because James, we're going to do something a bit different on this podcast. We're not just talking about the NFL, but we're going to talk about that massive international pa- pathway programme announcement. How are you doing first of all? Were you shocked when you saw that news? Uh, I am very good. I am, I'm not overly shocked, I think because I, I suppose from a GA perspective, I think we've kind of grown accustomed to, uh, you know, the AFL coming in for for daily footballers over the course of I suppose the last ten years, even back further. And it was only I think it was only a matter of time with the way the NFL has been grown globally that it just creeps over to our shores. And like obviously there's there's you know there's very high profile players who have who have got into the US scheme, whether it be you know Effie Obada or Jordan Mailata. And it was only come time there's going to be an Irishman who comes in because from a football perspective, you think we're naturally suited towards the. Uh, you know, kicker, punter, and you can see Dan Whelan's situation. So if you were to ask me who was probably the sweetest striker of a football uh, in, in Ireland, Rory Began is, is certainly a, a, one of those guys. You know, so I, I'm not surprised that he got picked out. Um, I'm surprised there's not more, to be honest. Like, likes of it, you know, how's it not approached a, a Sean Walsh type, uh, you know, type, type person, etc. Um, but like, it's, it's, I think it's a great opportunity. It's super for an amateur athlete to be able to look forward to, you know, participating in, in the combine in Indianapolis having an opportunity to go professional. That's what they've been striving for throughout their whole careers. And, uh, you know, I think they're in with a great shot because you know, it's, it's nearly compulsory now at this stage that, that they have to have a, a, a player come through this program on a practice squad. And you said yourself off here that like it's open to kickers. So, of course, I think the sky is the limit for this man, especially. Yeah, it's pretty wild. As far as the year of being a fan for Ireland, just the exposure to the sport and the league in particular has received because of obviously Dan Whedon. But before that, there was the Cedars announcement. But for people that don't understand why there's an influx now of the four lads, um, Charlie Smith, Mark Jackson, Rory Began, and Dara Leader, it's because they've opened up the international player pathway to the special teams guys, the kickers and the punters. So that's why all of a sudden we have four because, you know, last year we were waiting with Penderhooks to see the Dan Whedon latch on. The years before that, we were hoping that James McCourt might make it. So it is really cool, but it's also understandable why it's happening now. But we record this just before the announcement's actually been made. And I don't know what the reaction is going to be like. I suppose before Christmas, this news was kind of leaked, but it was unconfirmed. I'm definitely interested to see what the conversation is going to be like from GA because it's two young lads that were obviously serious kickers. And then obviously Rory Began, and an analogy I've been using about GA for years especially look I know you're a hurler now but obviously goalkeepers control both hurling and football in terms of their they're like the quarterback they're able to decide where the ball goes and where the play is going to start from so when you're losing three of the best guys in the country right now that's massive and I don't know how the GA world is going to react to it but it is a question that I asked the lads especially Rory Began you won't begrudge them for going over. Do you understand? Oh. Will you fight for their corner and tell people like, no, they have to go. There's massive money and an opportunity on the line here. Like, I think, you see, we're, we're talking about, in amateur terms, we're talking about the potential for life, you know, life-altering opportunity in terms of the sums of money they can gain. Um, that's that's only actually, you know, I, I would say heightened by, by the recent news of Lewis Rees-Amish from the Welsh Ruler. So, like, he's a, he's a professional player as is in a high operating union whereby he's playing for a good team, a high level team, a high level, you know, a tier one nation, and he's deciding to go. So it just goes to show the opportunities that's in front of him. I would never be good anyone 
the opportunity to better themselves. But it's a very, very clear cut. You, have, uh, you, you will have a group of traditionalists in the GEA. There's no doubt about it who would say, no, GEA first, either you're in or you're out. You know, it's where you're from. It's, it's your county, your club, etc. And I, I, I can see that argument. But in place of an opportunity like this being put in front of Rory Began and the others right now, you know, I'm all for progression. I'm all for, you know, for them trailblazing, you know, be, being the first. I know Dan Whelan is, is the first to degree, but in fairness, Rory Began and the guys are the first GEA oriented players that are heading off. So I, I'm all for them, as I said, trailblazing, open the door and creating more opportunities for the youth coming, coming forward. And like, for me, I it's up for the GEA to catch up. It's, it's up to them. If they want to catch up and try and entice players to say, um, you know, it's, it's up to them to make the next move. But in, in reality, when you consider whether it be the AFL or the NFL, the, the amount of players that would be taken or in the grand scheme of things would be minute into what the GEA will hold. So I don't ever see the GEA actually budging, you know, as as kind of a reaction to to, uh, to players going abroad. Because if they haven't done it for AFL, they're not going to do it for, for the NFL. So look, kudos to the boys and as such, more power to them. Yeah, and I suppose traditionally over the years, GA is always chosen over soccer. I mean, Kildare's Ke- best player in my own county, Kevin Feely, was playing for Waterford United in soccer before deciding that GA was for him. So there has been those decisions, but it's definitely the high profile level of it is definitely interesting to me. I've said it on a different podcast, but Rory Began, obviously, in particular, being one of the best kickers in the country, yeah. comes with a level of fame I suppose and celebrity in the sporting world in Ireland that'll definitely raise eyebrows and it's probably something that, that the NFL wants because as they grow here like this is the best way to do it we've often said that one of our best performing podcasts to peek behind the curtain for a second was when we've had the likes of Potty Clifford on because yeah and even the likes of yourself we said it's like the crossover because we're all GA fans behind it like myself and Michael won't miss a match but it is hard to get past that barrier of bringing people into the from the NFL. We've seen GA Go has linked up with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I do think it is some smart marketing from the NFL. It's crazy that it's worked and fair play to Tig Leader. He was ahead of this. He launched the business last year, Tig or sorry, Leader Kicking, not knowing that this was going to come on the cards, I'd imagine. So it's amazing timing for him, but it, yeah. he was he was, you know, shouting from the rooftops about how we are and we all knew it where they're perfect, you know, from from the age of five, we normally have a ball in our hands and we are the perfect kickers as a nation. So it should take off pretty fast. But I suppose then, yeah, it's like, what does it... I suppose it's tough. It's amazing to see Rory begging do it because he was just in an All-Ireland semi-final. The other two lads, you could say, well, down in Wicklow, you know, you're talking about when Welsh rugby is a tier one team. Obviously, Wicklow is division three now. There's obviously Ushie McConville there that brings its own celebrity to it. But it is that those lower down guys are definitely going to make the move if they get the opportunity. But there is limited spaces. And I suppose that's what we're going to see play out over the next year. This is the first crop of them. And I really hope that they sign out, sign on to one of the practice squads. I'd imagine they will, especially Rory Began, who said to me, he do, he's not doing this to get to the practice squad. He's doing it for the full roster spot, which would be insane. And I suppose no one's going to um, be, you know, thinking about the GAA that weekend if he was to sign on with a team. Absolutely. I like what, what got me thinking when I, when I heard this news first is is what steps will, will next be taken? Because if if this is compulsory with, with a practice squad player and as the game evolves uh, worldwide, will we see colleges taking over young lads out of minor games? 
where we see where we see like an Alabama come over and say, right, they spotted a young guy, a scout, send him over to Ireland, send him over to England, etc. And next thing you know, a 16, 7 year old is offered a full scholarship to, to a tier one university or tier two or division two. You know, like if you start, it, it's like something the NCAA would do uh, in preparation for college because you're prepare, preparing them for the draft also. Um, I'm just interested to see where it goes because like, like, like that, I'm all for, you know, evolution. See how far in five years time, like how many Irish people can can, can make the grade. And look, it's easy for us to, to point towards the kickers because as, as I said to you, it's naturally, you know, our, it's, it's our highest skill, you could say. Uh, but can we can we get some skill players? Can, is there is there any wingers or, or wingers that are playing rugby that can you know cut it as a wide receiver? Um, which is the Lewis Ernie Samuel one. I was just saying to you off here that was a very strange move for me. It's hard to see what, what position he's going to play. Like unless it's a, I can't see it being a kicker position. Obviously, I can't see it being a you know a long snapper or a puncher, etc. He's had to go and utilize his speed. Like I was just checking offline there, his top speed is twenty four point two mile an hour, but when he had twelve pounds of pads. With that, yeah. we're not talking about Tyreek speed, but look at who knows. Again, it's an interesting watch to see how far he can go. But if he makes it, which, and this is this is where my, my mind is going. If he makes it and gets onto a roster, who else is next? You know, do, do you see do you see the likes of a you know a Hugo Heenan type person or someone like that, or do you see some of the big Irish pack forwards coming coming down the line of future heading heading over towards being linemen? You know, so it's. I think, it's, as I said to you, it's a kind of a, it's a watch this space situation to see how far it can go. Yeah, and like you said, Jared Hayne, obviously, he and he had his troubles then and um, was kicked out of the league eventually. But it was that I remember he when he signed with the 49ers, God, I, I think that's around 2016, was it? Was it maybe later? I don't know. It, it might have been a bit, it might have been a bit later, but he... Um, he never latched on because there is intricacies that they have to learn and like you said they have to put on some bulk and they lose their speed and his thing was pure explosiveness when he was joining from um, rugby league so I mean I, I've seen that online about where he's going to play the Welsh lad um, yeah. people are saying that he's going to have to line up a linebacker but linebacker you need to be pretty big as well I don't know his height and people are saying then he could be a, a slot receiver I think Ireland might be a bit away from that but I suppose we we when you talk about where they're going to poach minor players, so Ross Bulger has already gone over. Yeah, um, he was obviously Tig's first prodigy, and he has to go through the college system. And we were, and I know I at least was, was waiting for him to get through college to see could he make it into the NFL. And I think it was going to have to be a three year process. It's crazy that we've just been gifted this avenue that bypasses the whole draft really and free agencies. Yeah. It's like again when you have that it's free international spot. Exactly. When you have that free international spot just for any team uh, wishing to avail of it, I mean, I think it's massive and that's why these guys are going to hold on. Um, is there anything else that caught your eye with that? I suppose I, I've talked about it on another podcast. I don't want to keep repeating myself, but if there's um, there's just so much to unpack what I feel like. Well, I got thinking like I got thinking about my own sport. How can this be utilised and you know, I remember back in the day there was a show. Um, I don't remember it was an RT or whatever, but they, they obviously swapped. Uh, no say. American players, yeah, with Irish players in their respective sports. And Jackie Cherry from Kikini went out playing baseball. And you know, I look at it out there. You know, if any outfielders in baseball, that that's bread and butter to order catch a ball with a mitt. Never mind, just with your hand. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> swing is a natural swing. So hand-like coordination goes hand in hand. So I'm thinking, how far away are we from that? Of course. Again, baseball is renowned to be, if you pick the NFL, 
uh, NBA and MLB baseball is the toughest of the lot. Like they're all saying that. Um, so I don't know how realistic of a chance that's going to be. But again, this is this is modern sports. They're all picking at each other, just trying to see can we get the you know as I said, the the best avenue for success. So hopefully, we might see someone from go in the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah, that's where the money is. And bringing it back to NFL and bringing it back to these players in particular, I do think that you look at what uh, Stephen Cookson's after doing this year that you can play obviously into your late yeah. 40s at this point. So Rory Bagan, he's 31. He could come back. And again, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but for anyone that hasn't heard me say it on the other podcast, he could come back after a year doing this, like even a year doing this, and have a 70, 75-yard kick out. Yeah. Like, they're going to learn and those guys will surely bring back massive training like Ty could be going into GA teams like we like Dean Rock we, there was that story there a year ago was it that he was charging money for his free kicking um, classes to yeah. local GA clubs As rightfully he should be he was obviously a serious kicker he's entitled to charge that money to uh, give up his time but that there could be these coaches now and those players and even the likes of Ty that can come in and you know, when we're saying the importance of a kick out now, especially in uh, Gale games with the uh, the mark, if you're able to take a mark up by the, your opponent's 45, like if you could change GA to have these guys gaining this experience. So in the short term, it is a negative, you'd imagine, for the GA if they're losing some of their stars. Monaghan is going to be, it's a massive loss for Monaghan losing Rory right, Megan. Yeah. Like, like he's, he's like, even last year, just saving the penalties um, in the All-Ireland quarterfinal and then he's able to step up and take them as well. But even like, if you look at from Donny Gaud's like Sean Patton, look at uh, Rory Becker from Monaghan and, you know, their game plan is, uh, I won't say centre, but they're a huge piece. They're a massive piece of game plan. You, you don't just, you don't just replace that because there's, I, I guarantee you there's, there's there's not many players in Monaghan or Donegal or others that can produce the level of, you know, striking ability that, that, that the Beggins and the Packers can so it's it's a huge loss to Monon. I think the people in Monon GA that are kind of saying, ah, don't go, you know, stay, etc. But again, as I said, yeah, the man's afforded an opportunity. So I, I actually, I hope, I hope it was worth it. Yeah, me too. We can definitely move off it because we will obviously bring it forward to NFL. It's a big, big weekend. Um, we never actually got to fully talk about Bill Belichick because obviously this um, podcast is late. So we're not going to rehash um, all the, the tributes to a man that is still going to be coaching in the NFL next year. Yeah. Um, Jared Mayo, though, is obviously replacing him. When I saw the news, it was, I mean, I was writing notes uh, to do a different um, segment on Bill Belichick and what it meant. And I, I had question marks. What does it mean? Does Robert Kraft want to completely tear down the culture? Well, staying with Jared Mayo has obviously decided, no, we'd like the culture that's there. We want an in-house guy. Are you happy with that? Did you, you know, raise an eyebrow when you saw how clean this whole, um, this divorce was? Yeah, I was, to be honest, at the very beginning, Mark, I was kind of 50-50 because I was kind of, you know, only in on the fact that Mike Rabel had, has, has vast experience in the NFL. I said last week that he would be my preferred choice um, solely down to what he's done, the experience he's gained, uh, him being a former Patriot, etc. He was my number one. Um, but then in contrast, you say to yourself, well, look, there's plenty of coaches in the NFL nowadays who are in their first peak and are doing relatively well. You know, you can pick out, like Dan Indy can pick out Dan Campbell, etc. And you're saying, they're, they're doing just fine. McVeigh and his first head coach, look what, he, look what he's done. You know, so I suppose it's kind of ignorant of me to say, well, if you haven't got a head coaching experience, you can't be a head coach. That's wrong. Jared Mayo is a lifelong Patriot. Um, and a telling sign for me was the fact that when it was announced, that he uh, he was head coach. A whole host of players, both past and present, came out and said, "This is brilliant. This is great." 
and there were players actively trying to, I suppose, put their foot in to get re-signed, which was a huge, like Mac Winston, Kendrick, Kendrick Bourne, were actually trying to get re-signed on account of this news. So that could only be a good be a good sign. Obviously, we don't see the day-to-day running of things uh, with Mayo in his defensive coordinator meetings, etc. But he, he comes across as a very, you know, astute, commands respect. You know, he's an opposing character. He, he's, he, he obviously has a long relationship with Robert, Robert Kraft as well on different capacities, albeit. And like he knows all the staff. He's gone through all the scouting um, in, in participation of scouting. So that's important too. I know the situation with the GM is not resolved. I don't think you'll see one to after the draft. Uh, we saw a similar case before. Ken Wright, remember was a team, if you come to me, where basically a head coach was fired. They kept the same scouting department in through which of the draft and then hired a new, a new GM and head coach tandem. So it's, uh, it's an interesting time. And I think, look, there's there's a bit of positivity about it now. It's amazing what happened in the space of 24, 48 hours. It was all doom and gloom and then Belichick goes, Mayo gets in and now it's like there's a new dawn. So it'd be very interesting to see where where, where things pan out. But look, a genu- genuinely a good hire, I think from when you, when you assess all the evidence that's been produced, especially on social media and articles and uh it's a case of, of like hope he can do the business because it's in bad need of a record bad year. So, yeah, I'm all for Mayo. I think I think it was Kevin Culver that was in with Pittsburgh that handled the draft, and then he stood down afterwards. And I mean, if that's not the case you're yeah. talking about, um, it's certainly similar. That yeah, it's weird. Then when the and it's a problem really when you have a GM that doesn't do the draft because then they're not his guys, they're not molding in his image. He has a get out of jail free card. It's not a good way to really build a team, but when you're talking about yeah. Jared Mayo, I don't know. No one else seems to have picked up on the similarities as you describe. Um, a lifer there with the Patriots, a guy that has received massive congratulations and admiration from former teammates. It's very similar to D'Amico Ryan's. What happened yeah. with Houston last year? that when he was assigned there, everyone was like, this is the guy, this is the culture, this is exactly what we need. And obviously he'd played for Houston before, obviously he'd um, honed his craft now as a defensive coordinator with the San Francisco 49ers. But uh, I wonder, did that go through Robert Kraft's head? Is that, you know, in the copycat league, going for a guy that knew your culture inside out, like D'Amico Ryans in Houston, say, and now Jared Mayo with so. New England? I think it comes across as kind of an important element to him. Um, I separated that Robert Kraft always speaks... Um, very elegantly, he's very big on respect, etc. You know, when there was, if you remember going back in the day with, with television deals at the NFL and, and you know, teams moving city, Robert Kraft was actually one of the guys who was nearly treated as a, a guy who was, who was facilitating mediation. So he seems to be very respect, respect, very respected and built upon respect. So I think there's, he has a kind of a mantra and a way in which the Patriots should operate. And I think it's pretty obvious that, you know, with Gerard Mayo being a lifelong Patriot, he wants to continue that and, and not, and not lose, you know, an element of, you know, cliche the Patriot way because he could have gone and said, right, Harbaugh, let's go. No, I mean, mm. let's let's try to go after him or, or others, etc. But he didn't. He chose to stay in house, and uh, you know that has to be respected too. In fairness, and I, I think the GM is important because I read a super article today about uh, Brad Holmes, the uh, the Lions general manager, and what he has done in three seasons in terms of the draft. And you look at the players that he's he's picked up, like that's awesome. Awesome business, what they, what they have managed to do. And like all, a lot of their skilled additions and players, we're talking about, you know, St. Brown, we're talking about Gibbs, we're talking about Williams, like huge players that are, you know, and he's still, all, the, all these guys are formulating the, the Lions player from the minute. So I, I I was always a, a, an advocate to get to have a GM. So I think even though Mayo is in position and Kraft is the owner, 
there should be separation and there should be a GM put in place. So I would like to see that put in place and not have a situation like you have with Jerry Jones down at Dallas. So that's not for me. Yeah, it's funny that you say that Detroit Lions thing. We have a podcast recorded that is not yet out yet that I stumbled upon that organically that I was saying that the last time Tampa Bay obviously won the Super Bowl was in 2020. That was the year that Patricia was fired in Detroit. Yeah. And fast forward over the three years, the way that that was gone about, that the first year was a 3-13 and 1 team, but they went and got Penny Sewell. It's so important to go on O-line, especially when you're completely you know, rebuilt. That's when Jared Goff was supposed to be the placeholder uh, quarterback. I completely agree. Look, anyone that wants to just listen to the podcast, I've talked about it there. But it, it does show the Detroit Lions, that whole three-step program three years of a head coach until we want to see success that's the cliche but apparently it rings through especially in Detroit because Tampa Bay has gone from a Super Bowl to you know just tinkered around versus this other team that they play this weekend is like you know obviously yeah. an NFC um, favourite at this point point. Um, we'll talk about those games briefly in just a couple of minutes but I will just do a little exercise because obviously we, we can um, I'm not going to ask you you know, where do you feel like he'll end up? I mean, it's anyone's guess. No one saw Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay until the news was announced by himself on social media. But for Bill Belichick, he will obviously continue in the league. The hot name at the moment is Atlanta, which, you know, you have the offense there in place. And then he just needs a, the right offensive coordinator to look after that. And he should be uh, doing pretty well. But would you rather see him go to Atlanta, as, as described there? The LA Chargers, where you obviously have a superstar quarterback yeah. I think the Philadelphia Eagles I said this before that game was ever lost that give him that team that has all, obviously all the pieces in place I still think Tampa Bay would be perfect maybe he wouldn't like that because it's obviously the Tom Brady story all over again but they still have all those they have most of that team still there from the Super Bowl run is there any team that you'd be particularly interested in seeing him with? Uh, well interested like, just, just for 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 simple entertainment, I'd love to see him in Dallas for the crack. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> like, I, well, I just don't see that actually happening in America. Again, Jerry Jones, like 81 years of age, extremely invasive of the team, I have to say. And that's the word I use, invasive. I don't think he's actually helped the team. I think he's, his sons and daughter are actually a hindrance also. They can't seem to, 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 to provide a degree of separation between, you know, the business side and the playing side. And I think whatever course goes in there, whether, whether it been Jason Garrett or Mike McCarthy, they're a hindrance straight away. So that I think that head coach, head coach position is going to open up even after three 12-win seasons. So uh, for the crack, it'll be fun to see how that goes. But again, clash of personality. Um, I would like to see him with a new quarterback who is a superstar. So like you said, Justin Herbert is the guy I'd like to see him with. I'll be an AFC team. Look, it is what it is. Um, I don't know. They, they seem to be kind of, the Chargers seem to have been kind of messy over the last couple of years. Even though they've had a superstar quarterback, it just seems to have been a bit up and down and a team's kind of crying out for some discipline and structure. And if, if that's provided and you you mix Belichick with his defensive mind, I've no doubt he put the pieces together and they have some great pieces as it is. And then you put it, yeah, you're given the weapon in Justin Herbert. I think that'd be a very, very fun place to watch. I don't see him going to Atlanta for some reason. I just, I, I can't picture it. I just, the fit just has been right for me. Even the whole 28-3 thing, I just, I, all this comes into play for me, the fan base, who knows? I just don't see it. Um, I don't see him going to Dallas. I can see him go to Tampa, um, even though Todd Bowles, I'm not sure if that is his position going to be, you know, uh, under question after the run they they produced, albeit after a terrible start, a four and seven start. Um, 
And then beyond that, the Eagles won't be serious. Tyrion's in trouble. I see the crowd in which the, in the way they're actors. And it's it's very obvious that that the implosion that has happened over the last two months, you know, can, it, it can't be looked past. There's something that has seeped into that team that has been has, has had a drastic impact. I don't know, as a player personnel, is the fact that he's just changed things. It's, it's very hard to know. But that'll all come out in, in the days and weeks to come. But I think his position is, is not tenable either. Um, and they won the Super Bowl. So Belichick in Philadelphia would be kind of nuts. Would be kind of nuts, yeah. right? And like, if he got that team, I've no doubt that he'd he'd make hey, excuse the the country the country tone, but I think he he'd make ferocious hey. And if he if he does get the team, you like if you listen to New Heights yesterday, you might have Jason Kessel back. Yeah, he put cold water on the chest today on the podcast. I know he said in the dressing room and said that he was retiring, but again on his own podcast with his brother, he said no, I'm not actually officially retired. If news broke that Bill Belichick was coming in, that's is coming back. You know he's coming back. You know what I mean? Like you know he's coming back. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? So yeah, it's it's again it's the NFL is such a, there's so many new stories and and topics of discussion and and little nuggets that you can you can be chatting about that uh, there's an awful lot to watch. So I think the main one for me is probably the chart. It's pretty wild to say that. Kelsey might come out of retirement considering Rob Gronkowski went into retirement to get away from Bill Belichick after uh, a prolonged period yeah, in fairness I, I give you that after a prolonged period after that they tried to trade him to the right lines for God's sake <laughs> yeah, imagine <laughs> that though now yeah. um, it, it, obviously look we're we're talking about uh, teams there that have been knocked out of the playoffs obviously it's a massive weekend the best weekend of football quality wise at least uh, I've made up the point on the other podcast I am stunned that it's the best week of football, weekend of football, and we have two 10-point games. The yeah. Texans aren't given a chance against the Baltimore Ravens. The Packers aren't given a chance against the 49ers. Do you give them a hope? Um, I think, see, if this if this game was last week against both opposition, I would say the same thing, no hope. But look what they've produced. You know, and in fairness, um, it's down to the quarterbacks. We're, we're talking about CJ Stroud and Jordan Love. What they've produced over the last you know number of weeks has been nothing short of amazing. Um, Love got off to a tricky start. There's no, no, no question about that. But he has come into his own and his pocket presence and his ability to to sling it off the back foot is amazing. So like he he doesn't have to roll out right, roll out left. He can just drop back, check and and, co- and control the distance himself and then sling it, which 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 you're seeing. So he's 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 a he's a ferocious weapon. Um, and the same with Stroud. I know Stroud played against the Ravens in week one, but things are way different. They sacked him five times here. With the Lord, no, no don't think any touchdowns, minimally yards, no interceptions. So, but he's a different animal, entirely different animal to where to where, where he stands right now. And I'd say Baltimore recognise that. But do I give it to him a hope? It's a very difficult job for both of them. Um, geez, I do give them a hope, but I give them a slim hope to be honest. I'd say if if I was putting a bet on, I would push the Texans to be plus seven, and I put probably the I would probably put the Packers at plus like eight and a half. You know, yeah, so you'd yeah you'd favor the Texans. I've I've or yeah I've picked the Texans for that game. Um, I might be just with caught up with no straight up. I think they could beat them. Mm, yeah, I think they could beat them. I think like the the Ravens defense has been able to turn the ball over. So in their most impressive wins of the I suppose if we just what we want to call it the last month was obviously the fifty seven or fifty six to 16 wasn't it game against uh, 56-19 against Miami, Miami. 33-19 yeah. against San Francisco 49ers that was against a couple of quarterbacks that was turning the ball over CJ Stroud is protecting the ball like 
he's had five interceptions all year. Obviously, it took him like weeks and weeks. He was what only a handful of snaps short of the rookie record. Yeah, uh, he's thrown five interceptions all year. I think he's been able to protect the ball. The play calling, like he just did it, James, against the best pass defense in the NFL and made a holy show of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, so it's like I do think uh, Cleveland were the number one yard to load. Yeah, they were number one against the pass. Number one against the pass. Point defense. Defense point score. That's the best note, yeah. Yeah. Impressive. Very impressive note. But he made a holy show of them, James. And and that's the thing. Like, All right, the running game isn't there. So if the pass game was to get shut down, but I do have faith in it. It's like, yeah, you wish there was a a tank dad out there as well. He was obviously injured. But I just, I'm not going to say that the Ravens be complacent but Michael had made a point to us being like he doesn't want to see the Kansas City Chiefs back in the Super Bowl it was like the only team that I 100% trust to give us a top level performance in the Super Bowl is Kansas City Chiefs because I've seen them do it time and again we've seen and look players change and mentalities change I'm not going to say that it's all in your head but like until I see the Ravens win an AFC championship game I think they're beatable in the AFC and it's just and it's just that's how we saw it in the weekend no one gave the Green Bay Packers are hope against Dallas. We hardly previewed the game and then they went and stomped them. The Texans, a lot of us had picked the Texans to win the game. But again, I said, if the Texans overcome that Cleveland defense, I have to give them massive respect and I have you to think that, yeah, that they can that. beat any team going forward. So it's like, I'm not going to go back after that performance. It's not like they just got across them. They absolutely walloped the Browns. So it's like, I think that we're like, if we were to base... And I'm not going to say that CJ Stroud should be the MVP over Lamar. That's just going to get like awful messages into my DMs. But if we solely had this, if this was the first season of the NFL, Jordan Love and CJ Stroud, especially Jordan Love in the last six weeks, say, would be known as top five guys, hands down. Like Joe, Joe Burrow at the start of the season, pre-injury, was not playing well. We would put him over CJ Stroud, just historically speaking. The same can be said for you're Josh Allen, who hasn't played like he's been very hot and cold throughout the season. Like he is, like he has one good game and then he throws interceptions in the next. The Houston Texans have been trucking along like extremely steadily the whole time, and that's what I said to you when it came when I needed to see CJ Stroud being clutch. It was that Indianapolis Colts game when he saw the game out with seven straight completions and listening to the Colts defenders after the game. They literally are like on their podcast being like holy shit the stuff he does I've only seen Patrick Mahomes do it I know that's that's the easiest thing to say now at the moment compare someone to Patrick Mahomes but then you do it on the defense as well like like, there's there's like I didn't even get to mention like when Cleveland and Houston played what was it like week 16 or whatever game it was it was week it was one of the later weeks uh, Amari Cooper had an absolute game against them he put up like massive do you remember it was like if you play fantasy football yeah it was 200 and something yards yeah 265 yards I'm after putting up 265 yards on Christmas Eve it was something like that this this week he had next to nothing he had next to no yards I don't have the the things down in front of me but Derek Stingley was put over him and there was four attempts made on him and it was for minus six yards and it's like, that's the kind of, like, we're after talking about the Miko Ryans there. His defense is doing really well. Now, they don't come up in some of the top metrics. 
But I don't know, in a cold Baltimore this weekend, you don't know what could happen. Um, but, should, but the thing is, Mark, with your defense, all you want is a model of consistency. And like they, they haven't been ripped, to be honest. You know, you have to, like Miami were ripped left, right, and center, up and down. Dallas were, you know, they went away, but the and Texans, they haven't been ripped. If you can maintain a model of consistency and not have John big 20 plus CR plays, you're, you're, you're going to be in the game when you have someone at your disposal, like CJ Stroud. So I think I have to commend the, de- like the, 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 the play call on both sides of the ball because it seems like the ability nowadays for some receivers in the Texans, they, and, and the Packers too, I have to say, they're they're wide open. You know, saying who who is actually who's covering them? They're wide open. So the play calling it expands them. It seems that, and the thing about play calling too is you know the timing has to be right as well. You have to choose the, the right time, right phase of the ball, you know, right positioning, etc. With with the game with the game at, at certain stages, and it just seems like the Texans uh, they're they're consistent. But it's hard for me to it's hard for me to look past the Ravens when I saw the performance they put up against the Niners, the Dolphins, because they were what the word I used was emphatic. It was imperious. You know, there was no, I suppose, weak facet of their game. And that's all I have to go by. And they've had a prolonged break. And you notice how the war of attrition is the NFL. There's, there's, there's injuries everywhere. Look at the Bills. The Bills are decimated, you know, which is different because I want them to beat the Chiefs. <laughs> but, you know, you, you, you get a week's break and it turns players around inside out with the level of treatment to get. So I agree. I'm not going to say the Texans, I'm not going to back Texans to win, but I am going to say that they'll come within seven points, you know, at, at, a, at a minimum. But that's a bold call. The board board call, but everyone's had a show. The Ravens have, they haven't stunk, stunk it out of the playoffs. They haven't got to yeah. the end. Do you know when you say about, when you talk about evidence, it's it's something I haven't said yet, but a sour taste was left in my mouth watching them in London. They just didn't have the fireworks. Now, I know they're a different team. That was obviously like in week five or whatever, but yeah. say Derek Singley can take his eight flowers out of the game. And OBJ has to step up. And, and Mark Andrews isn't back yet. Obviously, Isaiah Likely, the other tight end, has been playing well. I know they have plenty of weapons. But um, I, do, I, I just think that the Texans are going to bring it. It's been talked about. It's like they're playing like a team that has nothing to lose. And they have nothing to lose against Baltimore. People are writing them off. They're obviously 10-point underdogs. So yeah. I, I just give them a better chance than 10 points. And uh, I'll be nervous now on Saturday watching the game having uh, gone to bat for them so aggressively, saying that they could go and win the Baltimore Ravens. If it does come off, I'm very smart, but I'm... Uh, Open myself up here. <laughs> Stand by it, my friend. Stand by it. Yeah, one hundred percent. No, I'm, I'm excited about them. Um, and obviously their f- future is bright. Uh, we don't want to go on too much longer. Um, th- there is obviously the other games. Uh, Tampa Bay at Detroit. I don't know if there's anything that you want to say about that. Kansas City Buffalo, obviously, classic matchup. Now at this point, we're getting used to seeing in the uh, playoffs. But the teams. Uh, Michael made a point. He says that he just doesn't believe in Kansas City at all that the the offense is too poor I push back along with Jason saying look the defense obviously Rashi Rice has been stepping up in a massive way Steve Spagnuolo's defense will give them a chance like that you know that all cliche defense wins championships we're going to see that especially yeah. in the in the playoffs now what do you think about that matchup is there anyone Mike, that you're side with Michael was here last week and he was giving Dawson the shout and I couldn't I couldn't agree with him because of the, again evidence based approach what I've seen from the Dolphins and you know to a he spent his life in warm weather. But that, that all counts. It all counts. So I, I was questioning too is, you know, his big game mentality and how, how he performed. And you know, he was he was very, very cool, Mark, to be honest. So like if your quarterback is playing poor, the rest of the team is going to suffer. Um so I was kind of putting more weight on the Dolphins not being able to put up the Chiefs than the Chiefs being blown out the Dolphins. And that game kind of materialized that way. The Bills, uh the Bills were they were look they were good against the Steelers, they were fine. 
they have a plethora of injuries. Conditions are going to be the same again. You know, tricky with snow. Chiefs use is that it'll be a rapturous crowd. Um, if the Bills were healthy, I'd be giving them you know a, a huge chance. But the fact of the matter is they're not fully healthy. Not fully healthy. But the back Josh Allen is playing like he was imperious the last day. It was really impressive. The run game was very impressive. I think he cocked up what 80, 80, 80 yard yards and you know occupied occupied both both the the D line and the linebackers all day. Either with his eyes or with his legs. So he's, it's going to come down to him. It's as simple as that. There's no two ways about it. It's going to come down to him. Like, if the Chiefs stop him, Rich Jones get going and they sack him. And the defense, in fairness, the Chiefs defense, which has always been questioned in years previous, they've been, they've been consistent. I have to say they've been consistent and they have probably out, outperformed the, the offense on a number of days. Kept, kept them in game, which has always been the reverse in years previous. So I think it's going to be a tight game. Uh, who's going to win it? I, again, I, I'm going to give home field advantage towards the Bills. I'm going to say now it's your time to return the favour. Anytime they've been beaten, it's obviously it's been an arrow edge. Um, so I'm going to say 13 seconds is going to get uh, turned over and it's going to be Josh Allen getting one over Pat Mahomes. Yeah, I have to think that like, or not think, it's just, it'll definitely be interesting what is the reaction if it's a close game, say from the Buffalo Bills. Do they use that 13 seconds as fuel, or do they let it get inside their head? Now, I was reading about the Buffalo Bills, obviously the four-in-a-row losses in the Super Bowl team, yeah. and players' reactions. It's it's something that I'm working on in case we are, we see them in Vegas, because it'll definitely be getting mentioned that week. So if you've heard me say, or should open, don't tell anyone that I'm saying this, but I was, I was looking into this, just in case I do get to Vegas, and when a fumble is given up, in Atlanta back in whatever that was, 1993 it must have been, with Jim Kelly and all the boys that are Jim kind of last hurrah. They literally said, oh shit, here we go again. And will that be, and it's not, obviously that has nothing to do with this Buffalo Bills team. It's, yeah. it's it's coincidental, but I'm just saying that will it be a close game? Will it make them nervous? Especially, I, I, I think that the defense is going to be, has to play Josh, Josh Allen tough. And then yeah. can you force him into one of those games that we've seen him? He has been erratic this year that all of a sudden... And look, it's been a different offense since uh, Ken Dorsey's gone. Joe Brady yeah. has... Um, I put out something there last week. He has been running. He has been using his feet. He's obviously... Or it seems that he's been given a bit more freedom. Um, he had a massive gain. I think it was 50 yards the other day. He had a big, massive run. Some of the, his own players are saying, don't get yourself injured. But yeah, uh, like, I, I definitely... Closer, go ahead. No, I, I just I, I find it fascinating now to see if they can if they if Chris Jones comes and, you know, blitzes and gets a couple of sacks early on Josh Allen does make the whole team nervous. Yeah, but you have to get Josh Allen thrown into tight windows. Like if he if he's thrown downfield downfield and into vertical runners, you know, Josh Allen will sling it all day long. If he if he if you allow him, let's say you have to set the edge first of all, send him out the middle. You need to set the edge. If you don't set the edge against Josh Allen, you're in trouble. He's low breakout and scramble, you know. He'll, he'll make the Irish and the guy is 6'5", 17 stone. He'll, he'll, he's like a, a linebacker come down shit. So he's as big as the linebackers are there. You need to set the edge with him and to look to, uh, have a game plan that, that forces him up the middle and to throw his deep, into deep, into deep uh, or into uh, tight windows. He's not great at tight windows. That's just the truth. He's not, he's not, I don't pack him as an ultra accurate quarterback. Like he, I wouldn't have him anywhere near, you know, the Joe Burrow uh, kind of Justin Herbert kind of bracket. Do you know what I mean? Like so, he's 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 a Mahomes sort of Herbert hybrid. If that makes sense. So he can scramble very well, effectively with his size, and he can make some 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 big plays. But 
some of these throws can, can be erratic. So force them into tight windows. If you force them into tight windows in tricky conditions, whether it be windy or snow, you're, you're, he's liable to, to turn the ball over. You've seen previously where even the, the Dolphins, whereby if you put pressure on him vertically, come at you, he's liable. He's liable to throw just a, an erratic pass, turnover. You know, and if you in, in the playoffs, if you turn over the ball, you're in serious trouble because the team's obviously a quality. So it's I, I say all that. I say all that, but I'm still going to back the Bills. I think it's going to be a very tight game. It'll be less than a field goal. I think it'll come, it'll come down to probably, I'd say there could be a two-minute drill for either team. And, and, and whoever's on the right side of it will, will pop a field goal. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a two-point I think it's a two-point game where last time I checked that's what the 888 Sport, uh, 888 Sport had that are obviously proud sponsors. Um, yeah. James, anyone that calls us a one-trick pony only talking about the Patriots, I hope this uh, this podcast in particular is after putting or making hay of that if that makes any sense. I don't even know the expression. But uh, yeah, we've covered obviously the uh, IPP, a bit of Patriots and then the uh, the playoffs. I don't think I don't think we've ever been so broad in our analysis before but it's been a lot of fun tonight. Um, Michael will hopefully be back next week he was just out of action tonight uh, yeah thanks for everyone for listening along I've been Mark Hogan thanks Mark